Good to see you all. I love Sundays because I love being with the people of God. There's something so encouraging when we come together, isn't it? Hey, um, if you're willing, why don't we stand to our feet? We're just going to honour the Lord in prayer and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the privilege of having your word to instruct our lives, Lord. And Father, we ask that you would open our hearts to hear what you're saying today, that your truth would go straight to the depths of our spirits, and that, Lord, we would be changed by the power of God. Lord, that we would not leave here the way we came. We would be equipped, empowered, and changed for the glory of God. Lord, I ask that you would anoint me to speak and to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. I want to talk today about living under the authority of Christ. Living under the authority of Christ. And we're going to start in Luke chapter 7. So if you will turn to Luke chapter 7 in your Bibles. I'm sorry I don't have a PowerPoint for you today. So you actually get to follow along in um, real time, which will be good. So just getting it up. Who has the Bible on their phone now? Everyone? Everyone? <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? I like all the different versions that are just so easy to access. Luke chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 1. So who's there? Say, I'm there. Yeah. Who needs more time? <laughs> Luke chapter 7, and we're starting in verse 1. Now when he, it's capitalised, we're talking about Jesus. Now when he concluded all of his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, The one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. What an amazing story. I want to just pull a few things out of this and we're going to really get into some nitty-gritty stuff. Are you ready to be set free of some stuff today? Me too. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know up front, this message is first for me, and then I'll let you share it as well, all right? <laughs> but this one is mine, I'm claiming it. All right. 
So a, a certain centurion had a servant who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. And he heard about Jesus. From what I know of Roman soldiers, they weren't known for their tender heartedness. <laughs> so when you hear of this centurion who has compassion on a servant, there's something a little different about him. And he hears about Jesus. Now, I wonder what it was he heard about Jesus that made him recognize Jesus's authority. He heard something about Jesus that made him believe that whatever Jesus commanded would happen. So what he heard about Jesus must have been really something for a person in a position of authority himself to recognize a greater authority than even Rome. He heard something about Jesus and he sent elders of the Jews to him. Now, this tells me again the awe that he has about Jesus because he's thinking politically. I'm not a Jew. Jesus is a rabbi. So I don't have direct access here if I want favours. I don't have any way to call in favours. But I do have a relationship with some significant Jews. So I'm going to talk to them and see if they'll approach Jesus on my behalf. And in so doing, on behalf of my servant. So he sends elders of the Jews to Jesus. And they plead with Jesus to come and heal his servant. Now look how they go about it. When they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Many years ago, I was praying for some people in the prayer line. And I got to one dear lady in the Lord. She was just a warrior for Jesus, just such a, a woman of God. And had her whole life served the Lord. And she was going through a really tough time. She was sick. And I started praying for her. And I did exactly what these people did. I said, Lord, she's so deserving. She's done this and she's done that and she's done this and, and, and she served you faithfully. And he stopped me in the middle of my prayer. And he said, I don't heal people because they're deserving. I heal people because Jesus is deserving. He is the worthy one. We don't receive from Jesus because of all of our goodness. We're not the ones who qualify ourselves. So they're trying to present his case. Look, he loves the Jewish nation. He even built us a synagogue here in Capernaum. I mean, he's, he, he deserves this. Jesus went with them. But I don't believe it was because of the goodness of the centurion, but the goodness of God. And then before he even gets to the house, he sends some more messages Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. His esteem of Jesus is amazing. He, he holds him in the highest revere. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. 
For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I find this a really interesting statement. Wouldn't you say, I am also a man of authority? Nearly everybody I know would say, I am a man of authority. But he says, I am a man under authority. So everything this soldier did, he did with the mindset that I am representing Rome. I am representing my local governor. I am representing his wishes. I am acting on behalf of another. I am under someone else's authority. And therefore, when I say to someone else, go, it's because I know from the chain of command that it's okay for me to tell that person to go. And when I say to someone else, okay, you need to come here and and fill this area, it's because I'm already under authority and I know that these directions are coming from higher up. So I'm more than happy to implement them because I am a man under authority. Now, Jesus, I recognise your ultimate authority. So if you even just say the word, that's good enough for me. It's done. I know it will happen. When Jesus heard these things, he marvelled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. But at no point did this man even use the word believe. He didn't say, Jesus, I have great faith in you. It was the authority of Jesus he recognised that Jesus called faith. He said, this is great faith. But I don't think the centurion was thinking about how much faith he had. He was looking at Jesus going, he's the top dog. I'm, I'm going high, right up the ranks here. And if he says it, it'll happen. He recognised the authority of Jesus and Jesus recognised that as faith. Sometimes I think we try and get faith, but if we stare at the one who is the authority, the faith will automatically come. Those returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. How awesome. Wow. Wow. Wow, that is just one of the best stories in the Bible. (laughs) Okay, I want to to talk about living under the authority of Christ. Now, when you get married as a woman, you take on the name of your husband, his last name, which means you're coming under his authority. You're joining yourself with him. You're taking on his name. Now, I'm not acting as a single person anymore. My actions reflect not just on me, but us. So what I do also reflects on my husband, in whose name I now live. And when we take on the name of Jesus, and this is really what it means when it says, do not use the Lord's name in vain or take the Lord's name in vain. When we are actually identifying that I am now one with Christ, I'm taking on the name of Jesus, we are not to take that name in vain. We 
are like this soldier. We are under his authority, under his covering. And when you recognise that you're under the covering of someone else, it changes your mindset. For example, at school, I am under the principal. If he comes and he gives me a direction, can you write this letter and send it out by such and such a time? Um, And, hey, you've got my signature. Once you're done, I want you to sign it for me. Um, I'm writing in his name. So I really think about the way I'm wording it. Am I representing him well? Is this what he means? Is this how he would say it? Is this the way that it should be presented? Because I'm not writing this from Anita. I'm writing this from the principal of the school. So I'm under his authority. So my actions have to be in line with the way I know he thinks and the way I know he wants things presented. I'm not representing myself. And when we take on the name of Christ, I'm a Christian, we need to represent Christ well. We need to come under his authority. That's why I often wear headgear. It is a reminder to me that I am under the authority of another. I am not in this world acting on my own. I'm in a covenant with God. And I am under his authority and I'm under my husband's authority. And so my, my head covering often makes me remember I'm under authority. But the amazing thing about that is just like that centurion, when he was under someone else's authority, he also operated in authority. But it comes from submission. When you're submitted to God, the authority comes. The power comes. I am a man, I am a woman under authority. I really like that. Now, what about this authority? Ah, now, are you ready for this? Okay, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with me. You know me, if there's anything that excites me, it's the word of God. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to pick it up in verse 3. And I am actually going to read to you the same passage in three different translations. Not all at the same time. Um, I'm not that good. Okay, I'm going to start in the King James Version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is like soldiers' um, terminology, right? This isn't like your everyday citizen's terminology. You know, we don't really go out there and talk about pulling things down and bringing captives and, you know... Maybe um, some people in the room uh, have spouses or whatever who are, are used to that terminology, but most of us don't think about taking people captive, arresting them or, you know. Okay, so Paul is trying to get us into a different mindset. He's like, okay, we might look like we're just living here in this fleshly world, but there's actually another arena 
and we're all supposed to be engaged in it. And it's the realm of the spirit, not the realm of the flesh. You cannot win a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. It doesn't work. You have to fight in the spirit with the spirit and spiritual weapons. All right. I'm going to now read this. Um, In this Bible here, it's called the pure word. So there was about 10 to 20 Greek scholars who got together and they translated the New Testament Greek as absolutely literally as possible. So when you go, and I've actually tested this out many times, so I've tried like, okay, what's this word mean in Greek? And I've looked it up and then I look in here and it's exactly the same. So they have, you know, like when we go, in the original it reads like this. Well, this is how the original reads. It's called the pure word. It's an amazing uh, work that's just come out. So I'm going to read 2 Corinthians. Let me see if I can find my little note this way. Uh, 10 and 3 to 5 from here. Ancient Ephesians. 2 Corinthians. Sorry. Okay. Are you ready? Now, it reads because in Greek their language has a lot more text than us. We sort of have past, present, future, whatever. They have things that are like continual and it makes it more obvious. So let me read this to you. Okay, because walking while the sinful flesh nature, we are definitely not warring for ourselves by the sinful flesh nature. We are not to war for ourselves by our sinful flesh nature. Because the weapons of our warfare definitely not carnal sinful flesh nature, but definitely exceedingly able through God to the pulling down of strongholds, taking down reasonings and every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God and leading captive all comprehension to the obedience of Christ. Okay, now I get to have some fun. See if I can keep that open there. All right. I'm sorry, Kids Church, I did raid your supplies. Um, But this says that we are to take down reasonings and every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God, okay? And to lead captive all comprehension to the obedience of Christ. Now I'm going to flip to the Amplified. Okay, it says this, the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Wow, isn't that interesting? For the destruction of fortresses, for the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? According to these passages, as it goes on, It says, sophisticated arguments and, sorry, let me get this one. Sophisticated arguments and theories and reasonings 
and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. This is where our battle is. And this is what becomes a stronghold. Now, what I've got here is just like, I'm going to say this is representing our mind, okay? At the moment, I haven't got anything there. But what happens is, and this often starts from very young, we get a lie introduced to us that we believe. When we believe the lie, I'll get a brighter colour for the front, it begins to take hold in our mind, okay? And look, that might seem like, oh, it doesn't really matter, it's not really affecting my life. But it begins to build on something because then when we hear another lie, and what am I talking about? So it can be anything from, um, and I'll happily tell you the lie that God is exposing for me. I have been a comfort eater for as long as I can remember. The lie is that food is actually bringing me some kind of comfort or relief because it's temporal. It doesn't fix anything, but it becomes a mindset the more you believe the lie. And then those lies, it can be maybe the way you view yourself. Um, my father was often told, you know, you're dumb. You can never learn anything. Now, that's, that's a lie, but... You begin to believe it and you begin to act that way. And bit by bit, these lies come into our life and they try and take over. They try and take ground in our mind until eventually those lies become like a fortress. Um, and this is what it says. Now, things take a while to build, even with with wrong thinking, with wrong mentalities, with, with the lies, they don't happen overnight. They take time. And what will happen is the enemy will, will plant the seed here and then sometime later someone else will confirm it over here. Or a circumstance will happen and you start to think, yeah, see, if anything's going to go bad, it's going to get bad for me because that seems to be my lot in life. And... That lie gets strengthened because now you're associating your circumstances and now you're expecting that, well, yeah, that'd be me. That'd be my luck. Now it's not going to work. You know, yeah, this always happens to me. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something that, you know, runs in the family, some kind of addiction. Um, but we have these, these things that keep building and building in our lives that we need to um, dismantle. Not just dismantle, and this is, look, as I was really going over this, listen to verse 5. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. It's, it can be not just insecurities, but these lies can be things like, you know, you're pretty good at that. You, you could take anyone on with that. Do you know pride is a really subtle trap? Because Satan is setting us up for a fall. We know that, don't we, when pride comes before a fall. But what are the lies we're believing? Do we actually think that we have the ability to live life on our own? This poor thing is like telling me, I can't cope. All right. 
That's a lie, by the way. It can cope. Um, all right. So I'm building a fortress because this is what happens in our lifetime, okay? One lie upon another. And this is where the battleground is. It's actually in our mind. This is why he's saying... And for me, it was like, it's not about another diet, Anita. It's not about another attempt. If you really want freedom... In fact, what the Lord had to show me when I was talking with him one night, he said... He actually showed me a little glimpse into the spirit world and I saw a spirit of obesity that had been on my mum's side of the family for generations... And he said to me, you're not wrestling flesh. Because I kept going, I've got to get my flesh under control. I've got to get my flesh nature under control. I'm actually not wrestling flesh. What I'm wrestling with is spiritual. But it says that our... The demolition wasn't supposed to happen yet. Oh, all right. Well, let me, let me read this out then, Okay. Where it says the pulling down of strongholds, the meaning is a pulling down, a destruction, a demolition. And it also, when it says casting down imaginations, the meaning is to pull down, to demolish. And it is the subtle reasonings of opponents likened to a fortress to refute and destroy. Thank you, Seth. Hallelujah. That's exactly what God wants to do. He wants us to demolish those lies, those strongholds that are exalting themselves. They're raising up. They're getting taller and higher against the true knowledge of God in our lives. For the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. So it says the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Now that's exciting. And I went, that's awesome. Hang on a minute. As you can see, I've read it in a lot of translations. What are the weapons? Have you ever wondered what it says? It sounds amazing. The weapons of our warfare are mighty for the blowing up and demolition of strongholds. I want that. What are they? Well, the Bible always describes, it always um, gives its own meaning. You can always find the meaning for something in the Bible. It will always explain itself. So this is really cool. All right, let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 6. <sighs> a bit excited. Wait till you hear what the weapon is. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll calm down. Ephesians 6, 16, let's go there. Love it. Okay. Oh, actually, we'll go back a little bit before that. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Um, and then I'm going to read just one verse from this pure word over here. Okay, so I'm going to start in verse 12. No, let's go to 11. Sorry. 
Okay, how are we doing for time? Not good. All right, put on God's whole armour, the armour of a heavily armed soldier, which God supplies, that you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and deceits of the devil. Notice where our warfare is. It's in strategies, deceits of the devil. For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the principalities, the powers, the master spirits, the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete armour that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger, and having done all the crisis demands, to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins, and having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral right standing with God. Having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with a form, firm-footed stability produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. And lift up over all the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the word of God. Pray at all times on every occasion and in every season in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. And to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose, interceding in behalf of all the saints. Wow. Okay. These are really interesting because it talks about weapons and it talks about armor, but nowhere does it tell us to fight. Now, isn't that confusing? Because if I'm like decked out in armor, it's like... Now what? You know, the crickets chirping? Um, Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit funny here. I've been told not to fight but to stand. So you'd think he'd say, right, you've got all this armour. Now take him down. He's like, no, stand. God, why don't you talk my language? I not understand. Wow. Okay. I want to show you something that's super cool, and it's in this version. Verse 16 says, Above all, receive up the shield of faith, Christ inside you, with whom you shall be able to extinguish all the burning arrows of evil. Ha! Yeah, I meant to bring and I forgot to get it. But you've got imagination, right? Who in the room can, can use an imagination? Yeah? Good. Okay. So, I want you to imagine an enormous shield, like the old Roman ones, you know, so big that your whole body can fit behind it. And we see an arrow coming from the enemy, and what we're meant to do, rather than allow it to take root in our mind and and build up a fortress, when we see an arrow coming, I might just need to change the angle of this a bit. Look at that. 
brute strength. Okay. What we're meant to do, it says, is lift up overall the covering shield of saving faith. And this version tells us in the original Greek, receive up the shield of faith, which is Christ inside you, with whom you shall be able to extinguish all the burning arrows of evil. Do you remember David had this amazing revelation in Psalms where he said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. It's not what we're fighting with. It's who is fighting for us. See, Christ inside you with whom you shall be able to extinguish all the burning arrows of evil. So I picture the attack coming against me, particularly against my mind, and I'm hiding. I've got my covering on. I'm hiding under Jesus. Oh, he did it again. Remember, like that centurion, he went to the top. He recognized Jesus' ultimate authority. And so in the moment of battle, I can stand because I have a covering, I have a shield, I'm under someone else's authority. And when he rises up, the darkness has to flee. He is my shield of faith. It's so exciting. Oh, above all, receive up the shield of faith with whom you shall be able to extinguish all the burning arrows of evil. I noticed the words there, receive up. Receive the shield of faith. Receive up the shield of faith. And I went, wow. And as I began to read this passage, I'm just going to turn there really quick. In the original language that was translated out, listen Look at this, okay. Because of this, you must receive up all the armor of God that you may be able to stand, that you, sorry, that you should be made able to stand against in the day of evil. Now, what this version does, whenever it's something attributed to God, it capitalizes it. So, made able to stand against is all capitalized, meaning not your own ability. You are made able by the power of God. And having produced all, again capitalized, to stand, capitalized. The only way we stand is in Christ, in the power of God, under the covering of his authority. That is how we stand. Listen, clothed for yourselves about your waist in truth. Another one, your feet being covered with the instruction of the gospel of peace. Above all, receive up the shield of faith. Verse 17, you must receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit that is the word of God. All of these things, it's talking about receiving, being clothed, being covered, being received. That's not how we normally think of armor. But this is a gift to be received. And when I looked at that word, I began to, that began to take me um, on another journey. If you look at John 1.12, let's read that one together. I love the Gospel of John. 
I'm going to go right to the first chapter, John 1, 12. All right, it says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave authority to become children of God. Wow! (sighs) To them who are continuously by their choice committing for the purpose and result of his name, Lord Jesus Christ. As many as have received him, to them he gave the authority to become children of God. To them that are continuously by their choice, committing for the purpose and result of his name. You see the difference? That is how we stand when we're in a battle. He's fighting for us. We receive him and that gives us the authority to stand under his covering in the day of battle. Wow, this, this word receive, it just keeps coming. Let's look at John uh, 1 again, but now verse 16. And out from the fullness of him we have all received, and grace for grace, grace, God's method, is Christ within you, faith, God's means through your obedience, doing what you cannot do. I love that. Grace is God's means producing faith and obedience, doing through you what you cannot do. That's what the grace of God is. The grace of God comes on us to do what we can't do. In the flesh and blood, I can't win this warfare. But my weapon is Jesus. And he is so mighty, he can demolish any stronghold, no matter how big and tall it's been built in our minds, no matter how many generations it's pervaded, no matter what, it says he, our weapon, he is mighty to deliver, mighty to save. Who is like him? All right, I want to finish with this verse. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. And again, I'm going to read it out of the pure word. Ephesians, Philippians. Sorry. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. I mean, 1, 2, there we go. And for this reason, God has elevated him, Jesus, to the highest, and freely gave him the name more above every name, that by the name of Jesus every knee should bow in the heavenlies and of the earthly and those under the earth, and every tongue should acknowledge this Jesus Christ, Lord, for the glory, spiritual perfection of God the Father. Oh, I love this. By the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in the heavenlies. A couple of years ago now, I was really in the word of God and the Lord was revealing so many things to me. And I think because of the revelation that I was getting from the word of God, the enemy was not happy and he began to literally attack me. So I was asleep. He came to me in my sleep. And I felt 
um, these hands come around my neck and begin to choke me. And um, I could not breathe. I could not even speak. I was like, ah. And I knew this thing was trying to take me out. But I had no fear. Instead, I said the Hebrew name of Jesus. I managed to finally croak out through the little bit of air that I had left. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, the Messiah. And that thing instantly left, just like that. I obviously said it out loud because I woke Jeremy up. All he heard was, Yeshua HaMashiach. And he went, Hun, are you all right? I went, oh, it's just a devil, I'm fine. (laughs) And I went back to sleep. But do you know what? That is my weapon. That is the name that shields me, the name above every name. When you say the name of Jesus, you have gone to the highest authority, not just on earth, not just in the heavenlies, but in the entire of the heavens. His name is lifted up above. Oh, if we would just receive him. For as many as received him. To them he gave the authority. You see, I can stand because I'm not standing in my name. I'm standing in his name, the name of Jesus. I have seen the name of Jesus move mountains. I remember once on a missions trip in India, we went out to this really remote little village And um, they'd gathered people and we had an outdoor just in front of someone's house. We had a bit of a meeting, played the guitar and did some skits. Everything had to be translated. And then at the end, they said, all right, anyone want prayer? And up came these people for prayer. And there was this one woman who came up and she was all the way down like this and had to look at me like this. And... um, I just laid my hands on her. I was only 15. I didn't know what to pray. It just was like, well, the name of Jesus. (laughs) Let's just pray that. In the name of Jesus. She started making funny sounds. She stretched up to her full height. And and this, this woman had been bowed over for so long. When she was standing, she didn't know how to balance like that. So she kept going, oh. What is this feeling? But she was instantly healed in the name of Jesus. You know where Jesus said, if you say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. Who's heard that one before? We all have, right? Well, you can even quote where it comes from. Do you know where it comes from? Mark eleven twenty three. 23. But do you know what that word mountain means in the original? A high thing that has exalted itself. It's the same thing. Jesus said, look at that high thing that's exalted itself against Jesus. It's tried to lie to you and say it's bigger than God. It's tried to lie to you and say you can't get over this. You can't get through this. You can't get around this. You can't get over this. It's tried to lie to you and it's saying, I'm exalted above the knowledge of God. So Jesus said, you have my authority to use my name to speak to that mountain and say, be cast into the sea in the name of Jesus. I am not going to be underneath your lies anymore. I am coming out. You know that song um, that we sing about God's love, reckless love? Um, 
and there's the the bridge part says there's no mountain you won't climb up. You, do you know the one? Some of you might know it. Well, there's a part. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. I love that. And I have to say, I know you all look very dignified, but maybe when you go home and nobody's watching, you should try this, okay? It's really powerful. I like it when there's something Satan has been lying to you about. There's no wall you won't kick down. Oh, that felt good. Lie you won't. Oh, that felt good. I just love it. Try it and realize there's someone fighting for you. There's someone covering you. You are under someone else's authority. And it's the best place to be because there's no name higher. There's no power greater. And there's no might mightier than Jesus Christ, Lord of all. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? We always like to give an opportunity for people to receive Jesus. So um, I'm going to do that now. And for those watching online, if you're like, what have you been talking about? I'm talking about the only one powerful enough and worthy enough to save you of your sins and to redeem you back to Father God and to make a way for you to get into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way you can come to God is through Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. There is no other way. You must receive him. You must turn from your sin and receive him. Believe. Put all your trust in Jesus alone. Not your goodness, not your worthiness or unworthiness, but Jesus alone. Why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, Come into my life. I receive you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me a child of God. I choose to follow you this day and every day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now one last thing. I want to pray for you. I don't need to know what your stronghold is, but if you've got something that you would love to kick down and demolish, why don't we just close our eyes, just receive from the Lord however you want to do that. You can raise your hands, you can open your heart, but we're just going to take care of business this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, we stand before you and we thank you that you are our covering, that you are our authority. And so under your authority, Lord, we speak to these mountains, these strongholds, these lies that have tried to build up in our minds and lives. And we cast them into the sea today, Lord. The same sea of forgetfulness that you have cast our sins into, Lord. We thank you for freedom and deliverance in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, and amen. Woo! Well, God bless you, and keep you, and make his face shine upon you, and give you peace. And for those who are coming at three o'clock to watch The Chosen with us, we'll see you then. Otherwise, have a, an amazing week. Thank you.